Extreme Vocabulary is not your typical word of the day podcast. We're not merely defining words. We contextualize them in terms of their history, etymology, politics, and aesthetics. In other words, we look at the culture behind words. Today, we join a conversation with Abraham and Aaron. Abraham has researched today's word, while Aaron has not. Today's word is problem. What's up, Aaron? Uh, what isn't up? What isn't up? I'm, I'm going to play that game. Why? Is that because everything is down? Uh, yes, everything is down. Yeah. I might actually have a little riddle for you. Uh, not Maybe not related to up and down, but maybe, you know, related to uh, horizontality. Is that a word? Horizontality? <laughs> Horizontal. So, yeah. Yes. Being like... And traversing yes. space. So, yeah. All right. Let's do Later it. on. Anyway, our word for today is problem. Mm. Okay. I, and I actually... I'm familiar a... with this word. I, I was referenced quite a bit with the word problem. Really? <laughs> you mean growing up? Yes, growing up. Thank you. Oh, you were a problem child? P- possibly at times. Yeah. In between the times I'm a sweet angel. Oh. Why is that? Is that because what you were cussing a lot or what's no, going just, on there? You know, I don't... Troublesome, you know, nosy, curious, rambunctious. I um, far I hardly find that problematic, but okay. Depends who you ask. Yeah. Yeah, kids. I are... had the grandma who would like if she didn't have her chunkla to hit me, she would just whatever object is close by, you know. And one time it was a banana, and just came out like a boomerang. <laughs> <laughs> They're always good at uh, tossing those chunklas or yeah. samples at you. They would turn the corner once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think that uh, the throwing sandals at you helped the problem? I doubt it. No, right? Yeah. Anyway, this is just my segue into... (laughs) Isn't it always? Yes. I always try to find my segue into whatever you're saying. I'm going to try to find my way in there somewhere. Yes. You have a degree in that, right? I'm like a nibbling rat just like making my way into something. Anyway, my segue is, yeah, that that I think what I want to say today about problem is that a problem is, you know, a question that asks for a solution, but, Mm -hmm. you know, the solution always only creates more problems. You're right. Why should we do anything at all? Uh, I mean, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I think, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, now we've got to go back to Camus. Find, get, find meaning in the, in the time you're pushing the rock up the hill. Find meaning in that moment just before it collapses and falls back down mm-hmm. the hill. Right, it's like we're always building up even if it's going to mm-hmm. be destroyed later on. Yes, because right? if not, then might as well just end it. Right. Otherwise, just commit suicide is what Camus would say, right? Yes. That's the great philosophical question. Why not just commit suicide? Ooh, we right found a way then. to fit in Camus. <laughs> you brought him in. Um, yes. Yeah, so so my, 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 my point about problem today would just be that problem is a question that asks for a solution, but that solution always only creates more problems. Anyway, um, the word problem itself is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it... it it has a kind of like French and Latin origin. Pro. Pro sounds very positive, right? <clears throat> well, right. It's the, it does have the prefix pro, which, uh, which means to be for something mm-hmm. or to put something forward. Um, and then the second part of it is actually where the really interesting 
uh, part comes in, right? So you have the prefix pro, and then you have a root, which a uh, blem, blem, which uh, like a blemish. Ah. Uh, well, no, it's actually related to the word ball. Believe it or oh. not, like you know, like a so problem. Blem. Like the the etymology of problem would be to throw something forward. So there's a projectile mm. or a ball that you're throwing something forward. But I'll come back to that later on. I just sort of want to think about like problem uh, uh, in terms of its other synonyms, which are mm -hmm. puzzle and riddle. So, you know, sometimes we think of a puzzle or a riddle as a problem, right? Something that needs a solution. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's always the great riddles. Now, do you know any riddles, by the way? Okay. Um, let's see if I remember. Uh, what walks with four legs in the morning, oh, two legs in the afternoon, <laughs> and three legs in the evening? You hit on the one that I was thinking about, right? It's of course the... I did, because I'm very smart. <laughs> Well, I mean, and we're also literature people. Yes, right? we remember so, weird little things like that. They stick with us. Right. So what is the solution to what walks on, what is it again? Four legs? Four legs in the morning, three, two legs in the afternoon, and three legs in the evening. Right. What is the, what is the solution to the riddle of the Sphinx? Man. Right. Usually man is the pro usually the problem or the cause of the problems, but <laughs> in this case, he's actually the solution or the answer to the riddle. Right. Yes. Right. Man and in okay for those who don't know if you hopefully you forget yeah, it out, but if you didn't uh, four four legs in the morning means you know early in life you are a child you crawl and adulthood in the middle of life in the afternoon you walk with two legs hopefully if you're lucky and uh, in old and old age evening you walk with two legs and your third leg is your cane it's adding that extra support right so you have the four two and the three right yes. The four, uh, two and three legs, uh, and that was the the riddle of the Sphinx, right? That's the yes. the riddle that the Sphinx put forward to um, uh, what's the thing? To uh, okay. Oedip <laughs> Oedipus. 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 Yeah. yeah. Who, oh, who, whose name means feet, by the way, right? Yeah, yeah. Oedipal feet. Yeah, I know this. Yeah. Oh, so God. it's kind of weird that it's like the, the and he had a lame foot too, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Part, That's yeah. why. He, he and I share that in, in common, all the great, great ones. So it's kind of interesting that the riddle is, that the solution, that the, uh, uh, the solution to the riddle that the Sphinx puts forward to Oedipus is kind of like a reference or an allusion to himself, right? To his mm -hmm. feet. Yes. Um, okay. So, I mean, so we, problems can be riddles or um, puzzles that need solutions, right? Of course, mm -hmm. that, so that's one of the more famous riddles. And then we also have some uh, paradoxes. So do you know Zeno's paradox? No, I don't. You don't? What? Oh. The, the, the paradox of the, the uh, Achilles and the tortoise, right? Achilles and the tortoise? Yeah. So Zeno was this philosopher, right? And he's, mm -hmm. he... Um, Along with uh, Parmenides, they uh, they came up with this like puzzle, right? That uh, they wanted other philosophers to solve. The point of the puzzle is to prove that there is no such thing as motion in the world, right? So the question they ask is, all right, so you have um, you have Achilles and the tortoise. We'll give the tortoise a head start, right? They're gonna race, and we'll give the tortoise a head start. How? <laughs> How is Achilles supposed to catch up to the tortoise? Well, you know, first of all, Achilles has to traverse half the distance, right, to reach the tortoise. Mm -hmm. 
But then he has to traverse another half of that half, right? And then oh, yes, he yes. has to traverse another half of the half of the half of the distance. And so what happens is that you end up within kind of like this infinite um, one thirty right? one thirty second, one sixty fourth. Right, and he never he's never able to reach the tortoise, right? Because he always has to traverse a half. Mm. Uh, distance to be able to get so he always approximates the turtle but never actually gets there mm. and so the so by laws of what, what, what laws would apply here physics not physics um averages i don't know <laughs> or uh, by the law of nature he could it's impossible to catch up basically with that much of a head start right so achilles can never catch up because he always has to traverse like a certain amount of distance and he's never able to catch up right because right. there's always a half distance left over mm -hmm. uh, or some remaining distance left over that he can never traverse and so the tortoise always wins um, steady. so how do you solve this paradox right how do you deal with it you shoot the turtle obviously <laughs> well i mean in real life you know you, you can you turn him up you turn him up upside down on the shell right <laughs> Or yeah, or you you just not race the turtle at all, right? And uh, think it's stupid yes. to race the turtle in that, the first place. That's stupid. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I mean, in real life, of course, you can overcome the turtle, right? You can, of course, you can outspeed it. I mean, we see it happen. So, how do you make? How do you resolve that? Right, that that problem. The fact that here you pose the problem that says you can achilles can never overtake the tortoise but then in reality you can always overtake the tortoise right yes so like how do you bring those two together oh i'm i'm not the guy to solve problems today or any day <laughs> of this nature so please okay, so please this is like one me. of those riddles right that's yes. posed right i don't know if i actually have the answer to this to this puzzle but it's something like well you know um uh, it has something to do with every half distance could be considered a whole distance. So that, you know, um, if you think of the distance it takes him to over to overpass the turtle, then that can just be considered a whole distance or, or even could be called a half distance. It's sort of relative, right? Where you're measuring um, the distance. So... Mm. Any half distance could be just be considered a whole distance, and so it's actually possible for him to pass a turtle because you know it's all relative and a matter of how you're measuring or something mm -hmm. like that. Anyway, so that's I think part of the solution. Did you get that? No. Yeah, no, I did, but it was just a kind of a letdown. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that there's no great surprise or something. Yeah, like that it's, at the it's, end. It, I was like, where's the grand enlightenment? Nope, sorry. No, it's fine. Here's a moral problem for you. All right. Oh, okay. uh, here's another one of those. Well, I'm uh, good at these. Right. Okay. So you're you're on uh, again. I find a lot of these kind of like puzzles kind of ridiculous to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. But like this because I feel like the solutions are sometimes so obvious. But okay. So you're on a train, right? And the train is about to split in, into two tracks. And there's this evil person who's tied five people on one track and then he's tied one person on the other track you're the conductor of the train mm. i thought this was going to be like sophie's choice like which kid do you kill no no it is oh it is okay. yeah well no but you're, you, it's like you have numbers versus to, one no you have the decision to run over five people okay. or to run over one well most people would say i'd rather just kill the one person rather than the five people 
Right, and the obvious solution to me was where the hell is the brake? <laughs> right, like why is there no brake on this train? Jerk. <laughs> Could have mentioned that. <laughs> but but the point of the problem is that if people, you... the point here is that people, when they are not presented with an option, will never think outside the box, or rarely. Right. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Well, obviously, there's a way to stop the train. Duh. <laughs> Well, this, this was actually a, a problem that was posed to like utilitarian philosophers who would say something like, um, happiness is the greatest good for the greatest number of people. So then the best option would be to just, you know, we'll kill the one person mm -hmm. to save five because that means more happiness, more people, right? Yes. So. Yeah, but then we also run into the issue of one life is not let, worth less than five lives and da 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 da. -da. Right, which is which is my solution, right? It's like, where's the damn brakes on this thing, right? Like, let's save everybody. Yeah. But it poses a, it, it's posing a, an ethical and a moral problem, right? It's mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, what the, uh, when we're, f when we're put in that type of situation, what are the morals or what are the thoughts that we should we should be having? Why, what ethics should we consider in making these types of decisions? I feel like we're always making that choice of saying like, well, I'll just kill the one person to save all the other five. But maybe there's like these other options that are available that are, we're not really thinking about, right? So maybe just approaching it with pure logic is, um, you know, kind of limited, limiting? Um, yeah, it's, or, or that the idea between five and one, right? The idea that you have to choose is sort of premised on false assumptions, right? That you have to choose mm -hmm. instead of saying like, there are other things that we could do, right? Mm -hmm. um, oh, this reminds me of a Zimbardo experiment, the Stanford um, prisoners and, pr and prison guards. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with that one? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, it's just, uh, well, actually, uh, not that one, I'm sorry, but I, I heard, the story I heard was related to that, um, to that experiment where um, people, a white lab, somebody in a white lab coat who, you know, somebody conducting a study, but no, never introduced and just looking like a scientist would stand behind people who had um, an electric uh, shock, um, a button they pressed that would provide an electric shock to the um person out on the in the chair or whatever for example yeah and they're in another yeah. room yeah, right? yeah. and, you and then they would get upset because they would hear the screams of pain and it was actually fake the, the other person was not really being shocked okay because for humanitarian reasons i would hope but um but they would be screaming out in pain and then the person would be upset that they were you know causing this pain and then the person in the wet lab coat you must continue you must continue and guess how many continued uh, a high percentage a very high percentage yeah <laughs> I don't know the exact. I don't. Number. I don't either. But it was just a surprisingly high number. Yeah, I think that was like it's just somebody in a white coat telling you you must continue. Many people did just because they were given that authority by an authority figure. Right. Uh, so they followed commands. Right. Yes. And, good. Yeah. Good little lemmings. I don't know how those people felt after that experiment. You know the the button pushers. Oh, I mean. they probably drowned their sorrows <laughs> in in fast food. Yeah, I wonder how they felt. Uh, yeah, that's terrible. It is, but that's the world we live in. <laughs> um, anyway, so <laughs> I, I wanted to bring up other types of problems, but anyway, uh, you know, there's this whole like, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, this whole like thinking about 
problem solving or like ways to solve problems, right? Like what are the, um, the processes or methods by which to solve problems? Like how do you go about doing that? Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of these um, um, uh, methodologies, right, for going about solving problems just sort of rely on, on like a few really basic ways like one of them is just trial and error <laughs> you just keep trying to solve it until it's solved right just like try something and if that doesn't work you, you try something else and sort of yeah I, I kind of find that kind of funny right? it seems like it takes a lot of patience too yeah it does um it's like uh kind of like playing a video game right and if you could have infinite lives to try to pass the most difficult level you just keep trying until you do it right mm-hmm. it's a uh, I kind of find that funny because it it almost feels like, you know, we actually haven't figured out how to solve problems yet, right? Like, we're just still sort of just, you know, uh, trial and error. uh, We're just spinning the wheel and going around the wheel like the good good little hamsters we are. The The aliens aliens are up there laughing at us right right now. (laughs) They're just having a grand little time. On each episode of Extreme Vocabulary, we like to feature a piece of literature that uses today's word. Efren's got a piece of literature for us today. How's it going, Efren? Hey, how's it going, Josh? Oh. Um, actually, I'm pretty excited today about uh, the piece of literature I have. Oh, really? What is it? Well, the piece of literature I have is, is a novel from 1973. It's called The Revolt of the Cockroach People by Oscar Acosta. And it's one of my favorite novels. Okay. Also, though, it uses the word problems in, I think, a kind of an interesting way. Like, a kind of almost euphemistic way. Oh, okay. Do you have a particular use of the word that you want to share? Yeah. So, I'm just to give a little bit of background. This is the end of a novel where the main character, Buffalo Brown, he's a lawyer. He's an activist for the Chicano movement in the 70s. He is a drug user, uh, philander... And at the end, he sort of leaves the movement, and he describes it at the very end of the novel, like how he kind of leaves his friends. And so, I'll read it. Okay. And with a Chicano handshake for Pelon, Sailor Boy and Gilbert, I took off and headed for the bright lights and white women of San Francisco to write my swan song about all my friends and our many problems. And the rest of that story we shall shortly come to tell, but for now, this is enough. Adios. And then the novel ends. Interesting. So, um, would you, what would you say is a, characterizes their problems? Well, that's kind of the interesting thing to me, is that I think he's trying to sort of uh, conflate two types of problems. One are his individual problems and his friend's individual problems, which are like sort of being uh, into drinking, mm. uh, having these personal flaws... But he's also talking about the broader political problems, right? The problems of oppression and exploitation that him and his friends have been fighting with throughout the whole novel, right? Mm. So it's interesting that he's sort of... That that word problems there carries so much weight at the end of the novel here because we realize he's not just talking about the problems of like, you know, I'm out of toilet paper or my car doesn't work. He's talking about deep personal problems and he's talking about broad historical and political problems. But all of that's being encompassed in this one word, problem, problems. Do you think he's um, 
using doublespeak as in two definitions of the word simultaneously, or do you think those types of problems are intertwined? Oh, I think they're I think they're definitely intertwined, uh, and he's all and he's also using a, a sort of double entendre, right? Problems is it's invested with so much uh, meaning here, uh, but yeah, because you know their inner problems, they're driving to drink and do drugs is in part uh, a feature of their oppression too. One might argue, right? And uh, do you feel like they're using one problem to solve another problem, perhaps? <laughs> I think they're trying to, and maybe vice versa. I don't know, but yeah, problems there is his way of saying everything that just happened in the, in the novel. Um, so yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Wow, well thanks for bringing that in today. Oh, my pleasure. And I highly recommend everybody read The Revolt of the Cockroach People. to try to pass the most difficult level you just keep trying until you do it right it's a I kind of find that funny because it, it almost feels like you know we actually haven't figured out how to solve problems yet right like we're just still sort of just you know uh, trial and error uh, we're just spinning the wheel and going around the wheel like the good like little good little hamsters we are the aliens are up there laughing at us right now yeah they're just having a grand old time <laughs> Yeah, they probably, uh, well, actually, I, I think that uh, aliens might have exactly the same problems we have. I don't okay. think that aliens might have the answers that we think they do. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, you know, they might not have, like, the solution to life or something like that, right? True. No, I wasn't saying that. I'm just saying, you know, I just figured they're a higher form, like, they, you know, they mastered space travel in a way that we have not yet. They're more advanced, you know, so they're not going to, you know, share with us those secrets, right? I'm thinking of like your your standard gray alien, you know these these guys, right? Right. Well, we might be the aliens who master space travel and go to another world and then destroy it. <laughs> of course, of course, we'll destroy it. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's I think that's kind of interesting because it sort of says like, oh, you know, if we solve the problem of space travel, you know, we'll be able to go to these other worlds. But then all these other questions and other problems come up right which is the which to me the more the more important ones are the ethical ones right so I, well what do we do when we encounter these new people right do we repeat the uh 1492 <laughs> um uh experiment right where we just like destroyed a bunch of people and the land and just took over it right call me but, crazy but i have a feeling that's exactly what would happen <laughs> yeah uh such pessimism uh, I've been raised by the world, yes. <laughs> um, but So, yeah, I mean, it, again, you solve the solution of space travel, but then all these other problems come up, right? It's like, uh, you can, okay, you can, uh, you can create robots, right, that will do the work for us, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of awesome. It sounds kind of awesome, right? But then, again, we have all these problems, right, that come up. Well, do robots have rights, for example? Like, can we just destroy robots? Are they property? Do they just belong to us? Um, if they're intelligent enough that they can do things on their own, right, and sort of operate spontaneously and, uh, you know, and we make them our servants, mm -hmm. right? Well, 
do they have rights or something like that? Or? Well, if they don't get rights, there will be a AI Lives Matter movement or something. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the did you ever watch the Animatrix? No. No, there's. I these, heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, there's these episodes called the uh, the Second Renaissance Part One and Two, and it's all about that. It's all about you know we created these machines that would be able to take care of a lot a lot of our daily problems, right? And like mm-hmm. just do work for us but then the question comes up right it's like uh, if the robots can do things better than us does that mean that they're better than us mm-hmm. don't um, let them figure it out <laughs> <laughs> oh i think they will <laughs> right um was it elon musk uh, he's the the guy who's sending people into space right and he makes a car which one i forget anyways uh is it the tesla yeah thank you we have a smarter uh uh, audience member here um yeah so elon musk he said that yeah we're um we're basically fucked as soon as ai gets to the point where to the point where we uh, uh don't need it anymore don't, they, they don't need us anymore sorry i just realized what i said earlier <laughs> about bad words yes yeah um it, we're trying so, to be family friendly here sorry Right, it's all about our relationships with each other, right? That the, those are like the big problems, really, right? It's like how we relate to one another, um, and how how do we take care of our relationship problems, right? Our relationships, whether that be to robots or to aliens or whatever, right? Like we can solve all these like scientific problems and math problems. That's great, but like the biggest problems are really our relationships to one another. Petty problems, it would seem, to a higher, you know being i would think just like why are you wasting your time with these like bickering issues you know like children we're it's like we're still a child race in my way in my my way in my opinion right species whatever yeah i i i do yeah it's uh we we definitely communicate like children i think uh (laughs) you ever watch the news (laughs) yeah I mean, and you know, our our relationship problems are usually like communication problems, or uh, you know, screaming over each other, money money problems, or uh, you're stealing money from me, or even sex, right? Uh, um, you're not giving me sex. <laughs> <laughs> you're not giving me sex, or you're not giving it to me the way I want yes. it, or yeah, yeah, yeah. or I don't like this position, or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, or questions about chores. I don't like it when you watch TV and eat while we're having sex. <laughs> oh my god, dude. Don't tell me that's something you've heard. That, that's a Seinfeld episode. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, that Seinfeld is another show I've never watched for some reason. Okay, well, just know that yeah, a lot of hilarity ensues. Oh, so more relationship problems like uh, trust issues, right? Um, Where'd you go? <laughs> Who were you with? Were why you did with? you go? When are you coming back? Yeah, why? Just question, why? Yeah, questions of priority, right? What we should be doing at the time, what we should be doing. Mm. Uh, anyway, the sort of relationship problems never end, right? They're always coming back to us. Um, uh, let me let me switch up the conversation a little bit here and go back to what I said earlier about problem and this idea about the 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 uh, the edamon, right? The the root word there, which is the pro ball, blend. right? The throwing the ball forward. Actually, the, so when I looked up this word, um, 
It said something like uh, that blem might be related to the word. Um, uh, what was uh, uh, It might be related to the ball, right, or to ballistic, um, and that the blem was actually this medieval um, war instrument. It's kind of shaped like a bow, like a crossbow, mm -hmm. but it's sort of like an automatic one because it has a little oh. switch down at the bottom. You a ballista. Just pull the switch. A, huh? balli a ballista. Yes, the ballista. Thank yeah. you. Roman. I was struggling to remember that. Yeah. Roman it, military history. That's one of my uh, things. Yeah, yeah. So it's actually the ballista, right? So the so if you think of the word problem as um, the thing that is thrown forward, right? The thing that is cast in front of you. Yeah. What we're actually talking about is an instrument of war that's used to kill, right? Mm -hmm. And so I find it interesting that the way we usually solve problems is through killing <laughs> that like the ultimate population way. control yeah like you don't like what somebody else thinks or you don't like the way they're taking over a certain territory or whatever it may be all you do is you bring out the ballista right and problem solved right mm -hmm. the, several ballistas yeah yeah that the, yeah several of them right and rain a bullet hell on them um and so the, that one of the humanity's main solutions for problems has been war and that that's our continual like attitude toward it and that actually when when we talk about solving problems in society we always use the war metaphor too right like the war on drugs or the war on poverty right everything is this war on thing poverty, that we my ass <laughs> right everything is this thing that we need to shoot at right that we need to shoot at and kill and destroy right yeah. like poverty is one of those things let's aim at it and shoot it and destroy it right it's uh the way we handle it is we make it into a problem mm -hmm. right we make it into a thing that needs a to scourge. be shot yeah same thing with the war on drugs right it's uh we made it into a problem. We made it into a thing that needs to be shot at and destroyed and mm. gotten rid of and pulverized or vaporized or yeah. whatever many words you want to come up to describe yes. the act of destruction. War on terror. Oh yeah, you're gonna you're gonna stamp that out with a uh, with a ton of missiles, right? Yeah, yeah. We're using the ballistas, right? Uh, more sophisticated ones, oh, but yes. there's it's the same concept actually. ICBM, intercontinental ballistic missile. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Mm. I, we keep setting up these uh, ballista <laughs> uh, spaces right yeah. around certain countries. We surround yeah. them with these devices. Well, have you seen the map of the military bases all around Iran? Uh, it's just like encircled completely. I've seen maps of all the military bases around uh, around the world that are owned by the U.S. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. many. Yeah, it's just like encircles anybody that's you know not considered an ally. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, countries like uh, from Latin America actually don't have like military bases in the U.S. Very. Oh yeah, no. They but the they U.S. Have does have very many like, yeah, military yeah. bases all over other countries, especially in yeah. places like Latin America. Yeah. Um, because you know the U.S. thought that it needed to control right, the, the whole yeah. Western Hemisphere. Well, that, that makes sense in an imperialistic standpoint. Yeah, you you got your client states, and you know they um, you know they're largely independent but they you know kowtow to you as the regional power and uh you know they you know if they liars themselves with an outside you know or, or you know uh, yeah a further away power like cuba did in the initial crisis you know that's a big problem and that's why the monroe doctrine exists or was created 
it's just like this is our sphere of influence this is our backyard and you know don't don't come here right but that and again that that solution has done nothing but create more problems oh that yeah we, can, we we haven't handled very well to say the least but anyway so creating but creating that that imperialist uh, you know framework in the in the western hemisphere right in the americas has yes. sort of done nothing but create a lot more problems really right where like like the problem of immigration is one of them that was created out of this kind of thinking though um and the drug problem too um and several other problems right and things like uh trade and economics um all these other questions come up as soon as you think you found a solution a way to control certain things right if, right if we propose a solution to this then we come up with all these other problems mm -hmm. right in perpetual yeah and so uh anyway i sort of think that you know we just need to leave, leave people alone or something like that yeah what a novel concept <laughs> why don't we do that hmm. and maybe not think of so many things as problems that need to be solved right or mm. think of things as life you know the only kind life of problem solvers problem. oh sorry the only pro kind of problem solvers i would i like are you know like inventors you know not that they're like they're not trying to problematize the thing they're trying to make life better you most of them at least right and uh like tesla for example i, I love that guy i always want to he's like the inventor for me and you never hear about him you always hear thomas edison you know thomas edison was a jerk apparently <laughs> and a thief <laughs> a little bit of a thief and uh you know uh tesla was just you know forgotten by history not forgotten but you know obscured in history and uh, didn't he create time travel or some version? Is, <laughs> is he Doctor Who? Created time travel. Um, yeah. Um, well, I, I sort of, I mean, I, I get the idea that you create technology that would be able to solve like problems for us, right? Like daily type of problems. But I, yeah. at the same time, I feel like, uh, again, this is my point, right? That it creates more problems. Like uh, before, you had to write letters, right? You would have to. Mm -hmm correspond with people and it took a lot longer right now we have email right the electronic version of letter writing and everything is sort of more instantaneous right but that also just means that we have a lot more emails to answer than we had letters right yeah, so like the the, the the quantity of the amount of the work that we have to do now has yeah. like grown a lot of faculty they will uh very loudly or not loudly but it's the word they will very, they will pronounce basically that like, my God, like the amount of emails I have to answer, like I need, you know, I, I should be paid for this time, right? Yeah. I should be compensated. I'm dealing with, you know, school related work. And then, you know, and especially if you're, you're a big, you know, big deal, you're getting student emails, you're getting publisher emails sending you, right. they want to send you stuff. Yeah. Do you want this? Do you want that? You got people asking you for this. You got asking for letters of recommendation. You got meetings, you got the... The, uh, the the emails that are sent by the university that nobody cares about it's it's mind numbing yeah yeah I feel bad for you man no I'm not this is not me I'm just saying <laughs> if, I, if I was a big deal this is what I would have to deal with you are a big deal to me in my mind in, in your mind and you're definitely not a problem child to me oh well that's sweet uh, I've uh, I've grown a bit Thanks for listening to Extreme Vocabulary. Our music is from Arnold Palmer Golf by Tokuhiko Uwabo and Wagyan Paradise by Eriko Imura. 
This song is Problem Child by ACDC. I'm Josh, your faithful producer, and you can follow us on Twitter at Extreme Vocab. Thanks for listening. Still a problem child.